Hi, I'm Deb Hunter, and welcome to All Things Tudor, the podcast that blows the dust off the history books and brings the world of the Tudors roaring back to life. Each episode will bring you awesome guests and topics, stories, and revelations. The power, the sex, the scandals, the romance, and the ruthlessness. So join me, and together we'll pull back the curtain and discover the real lives of the Tudors. Hi, and welcome to All Things Tudor. I'm Deb Hunter, and today on our Tudor 10, we have Malon Sully visiting again to talk a little about Mary, Queen of Scots. So welcome, Malon. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Excited to be here. I appreciate you coming on the show a few weeks ago and discussing Mary, Queen of Scots so well. That was so brilliant. And I just wanted to take a few minutes of your time today and find out 10 things about Mary, Queen of Scots that you have discovered in your research that have absolutely blown your mind. Definitely. Um, So yeah, I think a lot of these are actually, you know, centered around numbers. I've tried to organize them chronologically. But um, number one, Mary became queen when she was just six days old. You know, her her father, James V, had been killed in battle. So, you know, she really, she really was a queen for pretty much the entirety of her life. Number two, you know, even though she was the Queen of Scotland, she she spent her formative years in France. Um, she moved there when she was about five years old and was there until her her husband, Francis I, died. So when she came to Scotland, you know, she was very much in for a rude awakening in, in culture and politics and kind of everything. Number three, Mary stood almost six feet tall, which, you know, when you think about the average height at the time for women being probably about five foot four, five foot five was just, you know, she was very, she really did tower over her, her subjects in quite a literal sense. Let's see, number four. So when her son the future James the sixth and first um, of Scotland and England was born. Um, she made a actually public declaration to her husband Henry Stuart Lord Darnley that I think you know was probably prompted in part by rumors that Darnley wasn't the father that perhaps it was Mary's private secretary David Rizzio. So what she said to Darnley was, "For he is so much your own son that I fear it will be the worst for him hereafter," which was just sort of a, a great. <laughs> you know, dig at Darnley saying, like, yes, he is your son, but, you know, he's going to suffer for it. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, number five. So Mary had a really strong love of golf. She visited St. Andrews, actually, which is, you know, sort of the home of golf. And so this was something that actually drew harsh criticism after the murder of her husband, Darnley, because she was so keen on the game that she actually played around just a few days after he was assassinated. And so this was seen as sort of an example of her cold-bloodedness and maybe that she had played some part in his murder. So, you know, after Mary marries the Earl of Bothwell, who, you know, her third husband, who was accused of murdering Darnley and probably was very involved in that, um, there were pamphlets that were published about them that characterized Mary as a mermaid. So that's sort of a symbol of prostitution and harlotry at the time. And then Bothwell was depicted as a hare, which was his family crest. So, you know, sort of that image of the mermaid and the hare is, is a really interesting one. That is interesting. Number seven, the last time that Mary saw her son James was actually when he was only 10 months old. So 
you know, it's really heartbreaking to think about, especially because, you know, well, this is fact number eight that Mary flees to England, hoping that her cousin Elizabeth will give her refuge and sort of support her as a sister queen, which is a phrase that Mary had previously used. Instead, Elizabeth kept Mary captive in England for 19 years. So, you know, the actual the, the majority of, not the majority, but quite a large chunk of Mary's life was spent in captivity, you know, being moved around these various castles in England, all, you know, at Elizabeth's behest. So number nine, sort of Mary and Elizabeth, they famously have this relationship rivalry that has, you know, been analyzed in different ways by different historians. But um, what's interesting is in the 2018 movie version of um, Mary's life, it's with uh, Saoirse Ronan and Margot Robbie. The, The two are shown as meeting face to face. That never happened in real life. Elizabeth, you know, just refused Mary's repeated request to meet face-to-face. But while Mary and Elizabeth never met face-to-face, Mary and William Cecil, who was Elizabeth's top advisor, sort of the man who, his spy networks and everything, he was very much, you know, he had a large hand in the ruling of the country. Um, So Mary and Cecil eventually did meet. And when they met, she told him, I see you are my enemy, which, you know, is quite accurate because a lot of the events that had happened prior to her captivity and also, you know, while she was in captivity were things that were really engineered by Cecil behind the scenes rather than, you know, driven more so by Elizabeth, who was very prone to indecision and sort of vacillating between options. Cecil was the one who kind of came up with the plan and executed it without hesitation. And the final one is, you know, Mary was famously beheaded you know, sanctioned by Elizabeth. And it took three blows of the axe to behead her, which, you know, was, must have been just a miserable death. And she was heard, I think, to say like, oh God, after, after one of the strikes. But, you know, compared to Anne Boleyn, she had this, this expert swordsman who came in from Calais and, you know, struck off her head with one strike as opposed to Mary, you know, who just has an axe and really, you know, quite suffers during her execution and during her final moments. Yeah, that's horrible part of the cruelty of the era, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And and you have just blown my mind. So thank you for those 10. And once again, please come back at any time. You are more than welcome to All Things Tudor. And we're glad you stopped by today. Yeah, thank you so much. You've been listening to All Things Tudor. My thanks go to listeners, my husband, and my team. If you like what you hear, leave a review, follow wherever you get your podcast, and share with your friends to help others find the show. Join the All Things Tudor Facebook community to connect with tens of thousands of Tudor history lovers. You can also connect with me across social media at the Deb ATL. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch y'all later. Mm-hmm.